So, um, do you want to turn to Habakkuk chapter 3? It might take you a few seconds to find it. Okay, Habakkuk chapter 3 is what we're looking at today. So, what we've seen so far, this conversation that Habakkuk the prophet has been having with God has gone a bit like this. Habakkuk in chapter 1 cries out to God, it's all going wrong. God, what are you going to do about it? God replies, look and see, I'm going to act and things are going to get a whole lot worse. Habakkuk replies, you cannot be serious, Lord. Not the Babylonians. God says, yes, the Babylonians, but then I'm going to get them too. Habakkuk replies, hooray. So that's my summary of the book of Habakkuk. (laughs) So, which leads us then to the hooray, which is chapter 3. Let's just turn to chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 to 15. Here we go. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shiginoth. I don't know how you say that. Some kind of Welsh. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And then God came. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Peram, Selah. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Cushion in distress, the tents of the Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. Selah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. Selah. With his own spear, with his own spear you pierced his head. When the warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding, you trampled the sea with your horses churning the great waters. Well, I thought that deserved an Oscar, actually, that <laughs> little presentation, but there you go. Okay, so chapter 3 is what we're looking at today, and, and I want to just give you a brief overview or an explanation of the passage, and then I want to give you lots of application, because I think there's a lot that we can learn uh, from this passage, and there's some principles that we can get a hold of about how to go through difficult times. Anybody ever, anybody ever been through a difficult time? This is really going to... Yeah, there are a few people, just one or two. Anybody who's ever been through a difficult time, this is really going to help you 
today. So let me just give you this overview, brief explanation of the passage. First thing to say by way of introduction is this, contrary to the rest of the book, this is actually a psalm. This this particular chapter is a psalm. It was probably sung. It probably had some kind of music that went with it. Uh, and it would often, it would probably have been handled separately from the rest of the book. They would have used it in worship uh, as part of their worship. But its full meaning comes in the context of the rest of the book. But what I want you to see is that this isn't just Habakkuk's personal prayer here. Chapter 3 is for everybody. This is for us. This is for us to use in worship. It's for us to use in difficult times. This is for anybody who goes through hard times. So that's the overview. Uh, The structure of the passage is like this. It's in three parts. Verses 1 to 2. Well, that's Habakkuk's first response to God uh, uh, when God says what he's going to do. And the first thing that Habakkuk does when God says what he's going to do, is to pray. To ask God to do what he says he will do. Do it again, Lord. It's a really well-known verse in the Bible. Do it again in our day, what you have done before. And this is the main theme of this particular chapter that I want to just keep highlighting today. So that's the first part is about pray. Second part, verses 3 to 7, Habakkuk remembers the times when God has come before. He remembers how lightning went before him when he came, how his presence brought earthquakes and plagues were sent to those who refused to repent. I mean, perhaps commentators think that perhaps he was thinking about the Exodus. Perhaps he was thinking about that um, uh, or other events in Israel's history that he was using. But basically he's saying, yes, Lord, do it again. I remember what you did before. Now do it again. And then verses 8 to 15 Habakkuk sees the sun and moon stand still over the battle that will be fought against the enemy, an enemy that we all face. But God has led them into victory before, and so he will do it again. So come on, God, do it again. That's the message again. Do it again. Pray, remember, stand still. I'm just going to look at those three headings. Pray, remember, and stand still. We can trust him. We can depend on him. He will be faithful. That's the overall message of this passage. God is faithful. He will come through for you. And this is Habakkuk's formula for getting through hard times. Pray, remember, stand still. Whatever you're going through today, you can hang on what he said he will do. He will do what he has done before. He will do it again. He will come through for us. Let me just pray and then I'm just going to get into this and unpack it a bit. So Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for your presence here right now. Just come on us. Just come on us, Lord. Just come and remind us. Come and speak to us. Come and inspire us. Come and strengthen us, we pray. We just invite you to come amongst us as we hear this message. Lord, will you bring some things to mind that you want to speak into again? Will you bring some things to mind that you want to encourage us in again? Will you just come on us, Holy Spirit? Anoint us to hear this message for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm actually a little bit excited today. I'm actually struggling to slow down, so just tell me if I'm going too fast. But I do feel like this is a message that God wants us to hear as a church. This is going to encourage us uh, and to build us up. Um, So that first thing uh, is about pray. But before I get into this and apply some of these things to our lives, I want to tell you a story. 
Um, back in 2008, Alison and I were given a prophecy uh, by a prophet called Ginny Virgin. And she prophesied about us coming to Solihull. And uh, the words of that prophecy remind us an awful lot of the situation that Habakkuk found himself in here. We were warned that we were going into a difficult time. <laughs> the prophecy says that things were bad, going to get bad, and they were going to get a lot worse for us. Really encouraging like that. <laughs> She said, uh, you're going to captain a damaged ship and it's going to get tough, really tough. She said it over and over again. And you're going to hit up against one thing after another and there will be opposition. She said it's going to get so bad that you will think that you have made the biggest mistakes of your life in going there. This is good. This is really good. And she goes on, and I'm quoting, and I feel, and I'm saying this now because God wants to say to you that when you get to that point where you feel like you've made the biggest mistake of your life, when you get to that point, remember it was said that you will get to that point. (laughs) And hold on, because he will give you strength to hold on. He will give you all that you need to keep going, and it will turn around. So you can imagine, we kept saying to one another through that time, have we got to that point yet? (laughs) Surely we've got to that point now. As things got tougher and tougher, we just kept asking that question. I don't know if I can hang on much longer. Surely the grace is running out. Come on, God, turn it around. Turn it around. You said, now turn it around. And then the prophecy continues. She says, so I think what I'm feeling this day for you guys is that, yes, you're going into something where you're going to captain something. But it's very much a damaged vessel. And when you get to this point of thinking, why did we come? Remember, God is with you in it, and he's going to turn it around. And you will live, that's good, to just be proud. (laughs) To just be proud of all the people there. Really, we are. You will live to just be proud of all the people there and all they've achieved and the freedom they've come into because you will see them come into freedom. And it's like God sees a people who are set free, who are liberated, who are able to enter in by faith to all that grace is about. Grace and grace will be the message. Grace and grace upon grace. And we are. We are, we are, we are so proud of Jubilee Church and what God has done here. We feel so often that we're spectators in the awesome work of God, what he's doing amongst people and and what he's doing in people's lives. I don't know if you've ever had a prophetic word like that, but I've got to say we weren't very happy with it at the time. I actually said to Ginny, I said, that wasn't very encouraging. Are you sure that was from God? Uh, But do you know what? It was the most encouraging prophetic word I have ever had. Because when things got tough, we were able to cling on to what God has said and stand on what God has said, that this will turn around. This will turn around. That's what we kept saying. Lord, you said that you would turn it around, not us, that you would do it. And he did. He is so gracious. He is so faithful to us. So some of the things we learned over that time, I can see in Habakkuk here, uh, in his formula for getting through difficult times, pray. Boy, did we pray. Remember, sure, we remembered. And stand still. Yeah, we did. We stood still. We wouldn't run away. We trusted God to turn it around. So pray. That's in verses 1 or 2. 1 and 2. See, Habakkuk had heard from God. 
You know, he'd heard from God, he'd had this conversation, but his response to what God has said wasn't passive. It wasn't passive. You know, we can, so many of us can get frustrated with living with a sense of unfulfilled prophecy. You know, I get people complaining, saying, God said this, he said it was going to happen, he said this was going to happen, and all these other things were going to happen, and it hasn't happened yet. And it's because we live with this passive sense of expectation. It's passive. God has said, so he will do it. So thinking that there's nothing else for us to do, we just got to sit. Whatever will be, will be. It'll happen eventually. And, but we don't realize, you see, that something, when we hear a word from God, something is required from us in response to what we've heard. So just because you've had a prophecy over your life doesn't mean it's going to happen. We have to partner with that word in faith. We have to live, lean into the direction of that word and take action. And then we have to pray about it. We have to pray that word into fulfillment. Actually, you know, I don't understand why people get so worked up about unfulfilled prophecy. If I'm feeling particularly mischievous, I point out that actually if you had no unfulfilled prophecy of your life, it probably means you haven't got long to live. So watch out. The fact that we have unfulfilled prophecy over our lives means we've got years to see the fulfillment of the goodness of God. Celebrate it. Be excited about it. But don't be passive. God had told Habakkuk that things were going to get worse, uh, but that he would punish the unrighteous Babylonians. And rather than sitting around waiting for it to happen, Habakkuk responds actively in prayer. Lord, he says, I've heard of your fame, meaning I know that you can do it. He says, I stand in awe of your deeds. Well, you are God after all. Repeat them in our day because you've done it before so you can do it again. In our time, make them known. Lord, do it again. In wrath, remember mercy. Just be merciful, God, because there was a sense of awe of the power of God and the extent of his majesty. Habakkuk feels that in the imminence of God that he's going to just remind God to be merciful. Isn't that amazing? Partnering with the word of God. He's not passive in response. He prays into it. He calls it into being. He cries out to God to do what he said he will do. He says, according to your fame, Lord, and what you've done before. Do you know, he even writes a song about it, making it part of Israel's worship so that they can pray it in together as a company of people in prayer. How about that, musicians? I can just imagine the people picking up the tune and humming it around the house. You know, we've had a new worship song today. I know I'm going to be humming that. I know I'm going to be singing it, but I don't really know the words. So I'll just keep saying one line over and over again. But it gets in, doesn't it? We sing over that verse. We sing over it. Do it again, Lord. The children picking up the chorus and singing it as they play. Co-workers and neighbors overhearing it. Laborers in the field digging in time to its rhythm. Getting the word in and speaking it out. Singing it back to God in prayer. What do you do with the words that God has given you? How about putting some of it to music? How about singing it together as a family? Getting it in and speaking it out. Singing it out. I love that idea. How about getting hold of some of the promises over our church and selling them to song? I'd love that. I'd love that if we could do it. Whew, I'm getting too excited here. I'm going to calm down a bit. Are you excited yet, or is it just me? 
Well, it's great to hear you're excited. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Have you got any unfulfilled prophecy over your life? What are you doing with those words? Well, has he been faithful to you before? Has he been faithful to you before? Have you got any fulfilled prophecy over your life? Start there. Ask him to do it again. Lord, you spoke this and then that happened. Now, Lord, do it again. I'm going to stand on your faithfulness in this situation. What about the church here? You know, do you know some of the things that God has said over us? We often quote them. We often use them, especially in our prayer meetings. But has any of it happened yet? Has any of those words come to, to, into truth? I mean, I just read you Ginny's prophecy that happened before the church even started. Um, so have any people come into freedom here yet? That's what she prophesied. Is there a sense of liberty and freedom and celebration as we come together? She said that. She said that. It didn't used to be like that. She said that, and it's happened. God's done so. Are there any people here that we're proud of? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm so proud of people here. just think we've got some amazing people. It's amazing. Lord, do it again. You spoke before. You said it was going to happen. Now, do it again, Lord. Let's ask him to do it again with words over the church like that. So, do you know any of the words that God has spoken over our nation? Do you know what's been spoken over our nation? How many times he's spoken about spiritual awakening? Do you know how many times he's spoken about revival coming? About a move of the Spirit? Or have you just got a bit tired of hearing of these things? But do you know how many people are getting saved at the moment in our country? More people than at any other time in our history are coming to know Jesus. Do you know how many people are getting healed at the moment? More people than I've ever experienced. People are just getting healed because God is amongst us. And, and, and healings are almost two a penny nowadays. A few years ago, we didn't see anything much happen. People are getting healed all the time. Do you know how many new churches are being started? Just in the last five years, three new churches have been started in Birmingham City Centre alone. Big churches. Big churches. Why? Because there's a need for it. Because of what God's doing. There's a harvest that's coming. Lord, do it again. He's doing it. He said it. He's doing it. It's just happening different to how you think it would happen. Do you know there's a spiritual openness in our community that I've never known before? Our friends down in the King's Arms in Bedford, they've got a tent that they set up on the streets every week and offer spiritual readings. And they basically just prophesy over everybody as they come in. They've had feedback that this is the most accurate spiritual reading I have ever had. (laughs) People are queuing up to get spiritual readings to hear what God says about them. Wow! Are you excited yet? Have you any idea what God is doing in our nation? He's doing what he said he would do. Lord, do it again. Do it again. We want revival, Lord. Forgive us for being passive about that. We pray into that. We believe for that. We see what you're doing, Father. Do it again. He's done it before, and he can do it again. You know, in Wesley's time, he set the whole of Europe alight. And Lord, we've heard of your fame. We've heard of your fame in doing these things. The whole of Europe, even America was touched, and transport then was so much more difficult because of a move of God. Lord, do it Again, feel free to join in. Do it again, Lord. What you've said you will do, do it again. 
Praise the Lord. Lord, we've heard of your fame. Please, will you do it again? Paul warns us. He says, don't treat prophecy with contempt. I don't think we do, but we can be passive. You know, in the New Testament, prophecy determines what is possible for your life, not what is going to happen. It's what is possible. We need to respond to these words. We need to align ourselves. We need to mix them with faith and pray into them. We need to walk closely with God. I want to ask you to, to, to be active in pursuing the words that God has spoken over your life, not just to be passively hoping. Amen? Pray it in. Stir it in. Cry out to God for what he's said, not just for our own sakes, but for the sake of those around the church, you know, in our communities, the whole world, and us. So how are you handling the words that God has spoken of your life? In times of trouble, we need to bring those words out and read them back to God. You know, I just felt um, when I was preparing this that there, there were some people amongst us that have never had a word of prophecy spoken over their lives. You think, what on earth are you talking about? I've never heard that. I've never heard that God has a plan for my life. And I would love to bring a word of prophecy over you. I'd love to encourage you with that. If you're in that category, just wave your hand at me and I'll come and get you later. Is there anybody who's in that category? I've never had a word of prophecy. Don't be shy. Just wave. That's it. Go on. A couple of waves. That's good. Just sneaky waves. Just slip it up. There you go. I see a couple of hands. That's good. I'll come and get you later. That year. So that's the first thing. The first thing to respond is pray. The second is remember. That's verses 3 to 7. Remember what God has said and what he has done. And at this point, Habakkuk recites all that he can remember about the God who does miracles. Everything he can remember. It's like he pulls stuff from everywhere. I mean, some think maybe he had an actual encounter with God at this moment because it says, and then God came in response to his prayer. I don't know, but what I do know is that he pulled things in from everywhere, remembering the God of miracles. He recites the stories of his people. He recites the pictures of the Psalms. He stands on his personal and corporate history with God and makes it a foundation of faithfulness upon which he can stand. A foundation of faithfulness. And we all need to do this. And I know for Alison and I over the years, we've often reminded God and, and one another of the times that we've seen breakthrough and provision before. When we've seen lives change before, when we've seen people in similar situations to what we're seeing now, being set free, being healed, and so on, we encourage one another with these things. We stand on them. Remember that time. It's the same. Remember when we didn't think there was any chance, and it happened. Remember. Remember. I mean, do you know your history of faithfulness with God? Could you quote it in the face of present difficulties and laugh in the face of impossibilities because of what you've seen or what you've heard God do before? You know, that time when you had nothing and the deadline was minutes away and God comes through with a provision just through a few weeks before. Have you noticed that? Right in the nick of time, just before the solicitor rings and says, I need that deposit that you were saying you were going to pay. And a moment before, you didn't have it. And the next moment, you did. That's what happened for us. We literally didn't have £8,000, but God had said, go. And we went, and we trusted him. And the money came in just minutes before the solicitor rang. 
Do you know your history of faithfulness of the history of the faithfulness of God? You know that time that you, you saw that lady healed. I saw this lady healed in South Africa. Her her kneecap regrew in front of our eyes. There was no kneecap. You were there, weren't you? Yeah, we were there. We saw this kneecap regrow. She didn't have a kneecap. It had been taken out surgically. It regrew in front of eyes. So whenever I pray for kneecaps now, I get excited. Say, Lord, I saw that. I remember what you did. Give this one a new kneecap as well. We want that for this person. Anybody excited here? Do that miracle again where we saw the veins grow up the man's arms. I've told you about that before. You know, I've seen that miracle at least twice now. A man who had no veins in his arms because of drug addiction. His arms were completely shot. We prayed for him and instantly we saw veins growing up his arms. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen, but the most incredible. Lord, do that again. That creative miracle. We need to see those things in our time. Do it again, Father. Amen. And listen, if you have no stories of your own, Stand on the stories of others. <laughs> you know, that's what Habakkuk did. He, he, he borrowed the stories of his people. You know, the exodus, which he was probably talking about, hadn't happened in his lifetime. And we can do the same. We can borrow the stories of others and stand on them because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What you've heard others testify can become your reality because he can do it again. Lord, restore it in our day. Come again like you did before. Come again in our lifetimes. That's what we want to see, Lord Jesus. An outpouring of your spirit, transformation of lives, transformation of communities. In Jesus' name, do it again, Lord. Of course, in times of trouble, we can often lose our way. We get overwhelmed. We get confused about what's happening to us. We get disillusioned. We get disappointed. But this is where our history with God is important again. Remember. In those moments, in those times, remember when you lose your way, go back to where you last knew who you were. (laughs) Where you last knew where you were going. Retrace your steps until you find the place where you left the path that was firm beneath your feet. And remember, remember in that moment. Revelation 2, 5, God speaks to the church in Ephesus that had completely lost their way. And God says, consider how far you have fallen. Repent, change the way that you think and go back to where you started. That's what God says to them. Go back to where you started. Remember that last time you felt clear about your direction. Am I speaking to anybody here? (laughs) Remember that time where I I just knew what was going to happen. You know, a few years ago, I knew what was going to happen over the next 10 years. God had just shown me. Remember that time when it shakes, when it wobbles, when you don't know what you're doing. Remember that time. Okay? Remember. Remember how God led you. Remember how he spoke to you. Recall that moment, the assurance you felt in that moment. Return to that place. You know, people say, no going back, just keep going for this rubbish. Go back to what God said. Go and stand back where he spoke so clearly to you. Remember that. Dwell there. Drink in it. Drink in that moment again. Let the clarity of that moment feed and nourish your soul. You know, when you feel condemned, anybody ever get condemned? Just remember when he saved you. 
remember that moment when he forgave you for all of your sin and you knew the relief of forgiveness. Remember that moment. Go back there. Will you lose your way? Will you lose your path? Return to that place. Stand on it. That moment when you crossed over from death to life. Remember when he met you there. Remember when he filled you with the Spirit. (laughs) Remember the gifts that he gave you then. Stir them up again. Stir it up again. Please don't forget the basic essentials of walking with God. When you got filled with the Spirit. When did you last get filled with the Spirit? I hope it was a few moments ago. Be being filled with the Spirit. Remind yourself. Stir it up again. Remember. Remember when you can't find your way forward, when the future is so uncertain. Remember his faithfulness, that he has never let you down, that he's never failed you, even though we have failed him so many times. Remember it. What he's done before, he can do it again. What you remember he's done for you before, you can declare again and draw strength again. You know, age and experience counts for something in the Christian life. Did you know that? Your history of God's faithfulness for your life is so valuable. It's valuable for you. It's valuable for the body. It's valuable for other people. You can say, I know I went through a time like that, but do you know what God did for me? Tell it again. Say it again. Recall the stories of his faithfulness. So that's the second one. Pray. Remember. Thirdly, stand still. Verses 8 to 15. Whew. Come on. Just feeling the spirit right now, aren't you? Come on, Jesus. Do it again. You know, Habakkuk's history and his confidence in God would, that he would do what he said he would do didn't mean Guys, it didn't mean that Habakkuk wasn't going to go through a hard time. It didn't mean that his people were not going to face loss and destruction. It didn't mean that trouble wasn't going to come. And we have this idea that in the Christian life, there's, no, there's not meant to be any conflict. And if there's any opposition, it's because we're out of the will of God. We're not called to fight giants or enter into any promised lands. That's Old Testament. It's just a load of rubbish. You know, Jesus says, you're going to have trouble in this life. (laughs) That's so encouraging. We're going to have conflict. We're going to have a cost to pay for righteousness. Did you know that? That's what Jesus said. And history shows us that this is true. Even our own history shows us this. So why is it that we're surprised when trouble comes and that personal victory only comes on the bloody side of a battlefield? Why? Why are we so surprised? Why are we so shocked? Here's the word, stand still. The sun and the moon stood still. (laughs) Day and night stood still for the battle. Stand still. Life is war. We have a real enemy who wants us to shut up, give up, and stay out of the way. And he's out to get you and to cause you real harm And whereas there are real physical wars and conflicts, mostly the battles that we face are in the spiritual realm and take place in in the battlefield of our minds. So Paul writes, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
And Habakkuk, in this passage, he describes arrows flying. He describes wrath being poured out. He describes pestilence and chariots and flashing spears. He, he, dis, he describes the violence of the battle that he foresaw. But then he says, right at the end, it's the Lord who did all that. <laughs> he saw all these weapons and he saw this array of wrath and he said, but it's the Lord doing it. How many people here know that we bring the battle? We, the children of light, war against the children of darkness, against the, the world of darkness. How many people know that, that you are a provocation to the kingdom of darkness? And the fact that there is a reaction, the fact that there is opposition is because of who you are. If you want to avoid all conflict and difficulty, just be a very, very mediocre Christian. That's that's not a good strategy. We bring the battle with us. As we advance the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness reacts and opposes us. And sometimes there are wounds. Sometimes there are fears. Sometimes there's trouble, even death. But ultimate victory is assured for every believer. You know, we have many battles to face in this life, but he has won the war. Do it again, Lord. Do it again in our time. Win the battle over that which rages against us. Win the battle, Lord, over cancer. I really feel like there's a battle for cancer. I feel like there's breakthroughs uh, coming in, in the areas of healing for cancer. I believe there's a battle for it. Lord, win the battle for cancer. You've done healing before. You've done raising the dead before. Do that again, Lord. Do it again. <sighs> No, the mental illness. That's the other one. I'm really feeling that at the moment. I keep praying about mental illness. Lord, we want to see breakthrough in that. We want to see inexplicable breakthrough. Do you know, we've seen a man who was uh, bipolar completely healed and restored and in his right mind. He got saved in this church a few years ago. I met up with him again recently. He is still clear. He's still free of the mental illness that completely dominated his life since he was 13 years old. And we prayed for him when we didn't even know he had a mental illness, but God still healed him. He's off drugs, and they don't know how to explain it. And the medical people, they can't discharge him because it would be irresponsible of them to do it. So he has to keep going and telling his testimony to them every year. God, you've done it once. Here, even here. This is in England. This is in Jubilee Church in Sully Hole. Lord, you can do it again. You can do it again. Lord, do it again. Do it again. Mental illness, poverty and injustice. Lord, provision. Provision for our communities, Father. Amen. Ephesians 6 again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep praying for all of the Lord's people. This is why we pray. 
This is why we pray. We stand and we pray. We speak the word of God and we put on the armor of God. Do you know there's a battle? But it's already been won. We have to stand for the salvation of God. Do it again, Lord. Do it in our time. So here we go. We've done Habakkuk's strategy for getting through hard times. Pray. It's time to pick up those unfulfilled prophecies again. I really feel that there's some people here that you've been living with disappointment because these things that God said years ago haven't happened yet. It's time to pick those words up again. Pray into them. Get hold of them for yourself and your family. Write a song about it. (laughs) And pick up the words about our nation as well. Remember, reflect on your history with God. Can you trace his faithfulness to you? Whatever you face or will face in the future, we need to learn how to recall the stories of his faithfulness and stand on that. And if you don't have stories, nick them from someone else. It's quite legitimate. And then thirdly, stand. The battle is real, but the war is won. Stand and declare the victory of God in your circumstances. So let me ask you then, what do you need God to do for you personally? What do you need to ask him to do for you again, personally? What about for our church, for our city, for our nation? I want us to respond in song. I thought that song that Tom introduced was brilliant. Tom, can you come and lead us in that song again? And and just make up your own words. Because there are things in that song that I know that some of us need to get hold of again and just speak back to God. The promises, Lord, you have been faithful. Bring to mind those things that you need to see his faithfulness in. Okay, Lord, do it again. Restore to us in our day the miracles of the past, the transformation of our city and our nation. Creative miracles, Lord, that we hear from all around the world, even to the raising of the dead. I was with a man on... Uh, Tuesday evening called Surprise Sitoli. He's seen the dead raised eight times. Personally, he has prayed for eight people to be raised from the dead. And I was there because I want that. I want to see that. As a team, they've seen over 200 people raised from the dead. Not just in Africa. He shared about a story in London this week of somebody with terminal cancer completely restored and healed, raised from the dead metaphorically, alright they weren't actually dead yet, but you never know it's happening do it again Lord do it here, 